Hello and welcome to episode 21 of Cutting Through the Noise. I'm Hayley Mears and today I'm joined by Selena Tomasich, the founder and CEO of Hairate. Selena is going to take us through her journey from the very beginning right up to what she's doing now. And spoiler alert, that involves implementing a salon in Bali's notorious Karabakan prison. Please check out the show notes to connect with Selena and understand how you can get involved with Hair Aid on a local or international level. Selena has been on my radar for a really, really long time and it's just kind of taken, um, you know, the planets to align for us to be able to sit down and have a little bit of a chat about Hair Aid and everything that it is that you do. And um, I'm really excited for you to share with the audience because I think, um, in the world of philanthropy and in hairdressing, we don't often see people like yourselves that really make an enormous difference. So firstly, thank you for coming on, Selena. And secondly, oh, um, I'd love you just to, you know, take to the floor and tell everyone about, you know, your brand, your journey, what it is that you do. But for those that have never heard of Hair Aid before. Right. Uh, thank you. You're right. We, it's been real tough trying to get us two together for a while, but we've managed it now. So thanks I mean, you've for the been space. on my radar for like years. I'm not just talking about the last like couple of weeks and months where we've been trying to line this up. When we first started the podcast, I think Terry Page said to me, oh, you need to get Selena on, like make sure she's a priority. And I was like, I will, I will. And I just, you know, those things you just kind of it's harder to get to someone that you haven't met before. So it's been perfectly aligned now. Yeah, no, it's good. And it's a great time for me to be sharing um, not just what Hair Aid is, but what we've just recently achieved. So for those who haven't heard of Hair Aid yet, I'm just going to quickly give you a little bit of a background. About 11 years ago now, my husband and myself were doing a little bit of a private holiday through the Philippines. And we walked into a bar to watch the footy and we met these two gorgeous ladies who I struck up a conversation with and they were telling me how they work for organisations in the Philippines collecting children from the street because their parents had left them there because their parents were too poor to feed them. And as most of the people who do know about Hair Aid know, the fun part about that story is these two beautiful ladies that we met were actually nuns. Um, they had snuck into the bar to get a beer and watch the Australian <laughs> football. Um, so the story of Hair Aid begins with Selena and Mark sitting in a bar and two nuns walk in. And um, But they were telling us about the critical work that they did. And when they were telling me that they collected children from the street because their parents had left them there because they were just simply too poor to feed them, and they left them there in the hope that a a charity or an NGO or an orphanage would collect them and give their children a better life. But the horrible reality is the drug runners, the prostitution gangs, the beggars, they collect the children and, you know, they put them into a life of despair. They put them into prostitution or they get them hooked up with the drug runners um, or in some, you know, horrible circumstances, sometimes they maim the children so that they can use them for begging um, and it's it's just horrible. And I, I remember thinking when I was talking to Sister Kate and Sister Claudia, um, you know, I have three children. And I, as a mum, 
I don't want to line those kids up and choose which one I had to choose to leave on the streets and hope they got a better life. And, you know, we live a privileged life and I'm 11 years into Hair Aid now and every time we go somewhere, I know how privileged I am. Even when we're working in the slums, in the dumps, I still go back to, you know, a four-star hotel and have a clean shower and, you know, have food on my plate. So we live a very privileged life. And um, I just, you know, I'm a helper. I'm, um, I've, I've always done, I don't, I'm not going to say charity work, but I've always, you know, when the kids were going through school, I was always helping organise the fate. I did the tuck shop mum stuff. Even though I was working full time, I always made sure I was at sports that, you know, you do what you can for your community. And um, so, you know, I said to the nuns, what can I do to help? And they were saying how they needed, if the parents had a livelihood skill, they could feed their children. So I'm like, great. For those of you that don't know, I'm not a hairdresser. Oh, and um, you didn't know that. I didn't assumed you were. No. So my trade is I'm a university lecturer. I teach at university. I teach business, entrepreneurship, human resource management, marketing, and law. Really? Which university do you teach at? Well, I just re- I've retired now. Um, but I was at the University of Sunshine Coast for 18 years and I moved to UQ in Brisbane and then QUT. Um, but I've also worked in India. I've worked in um, Fiji. I was wondering um, if perhaps you were once um, once one of my tutors. There you go. Ah, where where were you? Um, so I was Griffith, but I was online. So I would actually, depending yeah. on the subject, pivot to any university just to complete ah. a targeted subject. Yeah, you would have known if you were with me. I'm I'm the fun lecturer. <laughs> anyway, so I'm in education and I know what skills can do for a person or education. And I'm not talking university level. I'm talking trade, skills, something they can turn into an opportunity to earn some money. So the nuns said to me, well, I said to them, what do you need? Because I know as an educated person, you never tell a community what they need. You ask because they know. And she said to me, I'd, we'd love to set up a sewing centre. Now, now I've already blown your mind that I'm not a hairdresser, but way back before I was an academic, I was an interior decorator and I owned one of the biggest soft furnishings companies in Australia. And um, I can sew. And um, when she said to me I, we could start a sewing centre, I'm like, I can do that. And so I went back to the university I was teaching at at that time, which was the University of the Sunshine Coast, and I said to my business students, you're all here, you're all trying to get, you know, a job, you took your degree, and you all whinge at me that you can't get any experience. Here's an opportunity. I'm going overseas. I'm going to set up a sewing centre. Come with me. So a few students did, a very small bunch of students. Um, And we went back there eight months later, myself, my husband, I took a seamstress with us. Um, and oh, two seamstresses actually I took, and um, I think it was four university students, and we set up a sewing centre and we taught 25 people how to sew. And we walked away from that knowing that those 25 people now had an opportunity to feed their children. So we went back the next year and we taught more sewing. But by this stage I'd been to the communities, I saw the critical poverty, and when I say poverty, there is a difference between poverty and critical poverty. And the places we work at, and they, they're critically poor. And I'd seen that and I thought, what else can I do? Like, what you know, what else do you need? 
So I spoke to um, Father Luke, who's where who also helped um, Sister Kate, Sister Claudia, and I said, "What else do you need?" And he said, "English lessons, because if they can teach speak English, they can get better jobs in the markets." And I said, "Okay, we can do that. What else do you need?" And he said, "Hair cutting." Now I'm not a hairdresser, and I I never say no though. And I said, "Okay, why?" And he said to me, "Over here." If the children don't have a regulation school haircut, they can't go to school. Now, for me as an educator in university, in teaching, I'm also an educator, a teacher of primary high school students, that has to be the biggest barrier to education I can imagine. If your hair grows, you can't go to school, and it's against the law. So what happens is people that live in the slums and live in the streets They've got 50 cents to feed their family or 50 cents to go and get their kids' haircut to keep them in school, and they go and get their kids' haircut because they know how important education is. They want their children to be educated. Having them kicked out of school is a whole, you know, barrel of rigmarole to get them back into school. So the family goes without food. And so when I heard that, I teach business, I teach entrepreneurship, I'm like, ching, ching, ready-made business. Mm. And then I thought also, if we can train them, they can just help themselves. So they don't have to start a business, but imagine having the skills and the opportunities and the tools to cut their own children's hair all the time. So I came back to Australia. I put a little tiny advertisement in our little tiny local paper, and I got two hairdressers who came along to the project. Now, that was 11 years ago. Now... We've been teaching people basic haircutting. We don't teach hairdressing, basic haircuts. In five days, we take them from zero skill set to five basic cuts. And they're all the cuts that the children need for school. A straight cut, forward diagonal, forward back, little bob cut, little apple graduation cut, and a men's cut. And just last week, I'm so happy and excited to say that we've now trained over 6,000 people in haircutting. And we are in five different countries now. So we started in the Philippines. And we last week as well, we had our very first project in Guatemala led by the USA team, our Hair Aid USA team. And um, we're in the Philippines, Thailand, Indonesia, Cambodia, Guatemala. Um and we've trained more than 6,000 people. We work with governments. We work with the Congress over in all these countries. We have official partnerships. And we're doing a lot more now because we've got a great reputation with what we do. We're working in the prisons. So we work with prisoners that are about to be released in all of these countries. So we just we just came out of the Bali jail. I had my Bali stamp still on my, my wrist just um, yesterday. I had a massage yesterday and the massage lady rubbed my, my prison stamp off. Um, Baba Khan? Yes, okay. and men's and women's. So it's the first time we got into the men's prison there. It's taken so much longer to get official approval in there, but we had great success. We had 20 men taught in barbering skills and their skills are exceptional. And five days they learn this. Um, and you don't have to take my word for it. I'm not a hairdresser. You go and talk to the people, the hairdressers that are there and going, this, you can charge $60 for this at home. Mm-hmm. And so the prisoners that are selected in all the jails are the prisoners that are going to be released soon. So we leave the t- their toolkits with them. Every one of our trainees gets a free toolkit. 
So Comfortel, bless you, love you. Um, <laughs> many other suppliers as well, but they also they do a little kit up for us with scissors, comb, four section clips and a little bag. We have many, many sponsors that help us with scissors and capes and everything like that. But oh, look, just stop me if you have to stop me. I'm just no, no, no. I want to I want you to keep going. Um, we're always looking for more capes, please, please, please. But I need different coloured capes. Black capes on Asian hair is doing my head in. But anyway, go back a little bit to the jails. Um, every trainee receives a toolkit. Now, as you can imagine, when we go into the men's and women's jail, they're not going to let them have scissors back in their cells. So they keep their toolkits um, safe. But twice a week, they're allowed to come out to a particular location. The guards go with them and they cut hair. So they're going to practice for the next six months. And when they leave, they get their toolkit and a certificate of completion. And they can go back to their homes or to you know, new beginnings and create a micro business and start earning money. Um, but we also, you know, we from day one, we worked in our communities. We worked in street and slum communities. And I can tell you, it's a very real and a very raw experience. We have, um, it, it, some of them have running water, the drains are open, there's chickens running around and motorbikes and children and noise and kids playing in on basketball courts that are never finished and never complete with a basketball that's been bounced so many times, it's just string. Um, and, you know, we work in the heat or, you know, sometimes we just work underneath a banana leaf tree if that's the only shade we've got. And we teach directly in their community. And the reason we do that is because they're poor. They're very poor. They don't have money to feed their family. They don't have money to get on a little taxi to come to our training centre that we've got somewhere, that we've got to be right where they are. And um, so we train right in the communities, in the street communities, in the slums, in the women's jail, in the men's jails. Um, we work in the drug rehabilitation centres in some of the countries so that the people there are trying to find their, you know, a positive pathway forward. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, it's we're smashing it. We've just finished um, Cebu two weeks ago and then last week we did Bali, Indonesia, um and guatemala was on exactly the same time so very busy busy weeks for um hair aid but incredible um incredible outcomes and we have around a 65 percent success rate of people still cutting hair three years later that we get back from our community managers and i'm just going to say pretty proudly even for university graduates even are they working in the degree that they trained in three years later perhaps not are hairdressers that do start a certificate one certificate two or apprenticeship are they still there three years later do they get through maybe not at that rate so I'm really proud of that success rate um and the other success that we have and we don't I don't like to measure this because I don't need to but we've had hairdressers in the Philippines who now work at the leading salon in the Philippines and earn a hundred thousand US dollars a year, has one hairdresser of the world, sorry, of the of the country, gone to Japan to compete, has now bought something like 10, 15 houses and moved her entire family into housing. But does that make hair aid successful? Not necessarily. We've also had mums who's Maybe their their husbands have left them. They're divorced. Their husbands have died. They've got five or six children. And all they do is cut their children's hair and keep their children in school. Is that a success? 
absolutely just as successful as our wonderful salon artist who is now earning you know great um you know money for her and and creating a wonderful future p.s every time we go to manila she doesn't go to her salon she comes and works with our team to help out the community as well oh my goodness it's just the success there's such a difference between what it is you know whether or not they go home they start a micro business and for them they don't need a salon they don't need tiles on the floor they need a chair and the tools that we give them and the skills that we've given them and they can start earning money immediately so um, there's many many successes that come out of it so that's how Hair Aid started, two nuns in a bar, and what we've done and where we go. Oh, P.S., we do manicure and pedicure now because the jails all want it. So that's cra- That's a whole other ball game I've got to get rolling. <laughs> but the other thing, I suppose I was doing Hair Aid about three or four years, and I was at Hair Expo at that stage. Hair Expo and Hair Festival, may I just give a massive shout-out, have always supported Hair Aid and always supply us with a free stand. Um, and so I'm very incredibly grateful, previous Hair Expo and now Hair Festival. Um, that is, um, you know, much needed for us to keep raising awareness for people to pop in and see us and for people to sign up and help us with their projects. So big thanks to them. Um, but I was at Hair um, Expo and so many hairdressers were coming up to me going, oh, it's great what you do overseas, Selena. Well, what about here in Australia? What are you doing? And like I had this little internal eye roll because I was thinking, oh my goodness, you don't know the poverty that we've seen and what we're doing. But then my business brain went, oh, you know what? I've got this an amazing pool of talented, passionate hairdressers that want something in Australia. So where I was in the Sunshine Coast, I contacted a local community center and I said, can we do some haircuts to help out the homeless? And they said yes. So we started Hair Aid Community Cuts. Now, the acronym for that is HACKS, which, of course, is the craziest um, acronym for a haircut. But we do Hair Aid Community Cuts, and we've got more than 80 running around Australia at the moment. Where wow. With another 100 to 120 requests asking to set them up but out we're out of capacity with just everybody in hair aids a volunteer by the way everybody myself included nobody gets paid so with hair aid community cuts it's local uh, hairdressers in their local community helping out their local you know um soup kitchen or church or rosie's kitchen or standing beside orange sky laundry every six weeks they go along for two hours and they gift free haircuts. And the power of a free haircut when perhaps, you know, you are at your lowest or you trying to go for a job interview or you need to go to the doctor and you just won't because you don't feel good about yourself or you won't connect with family and you don't go to important events like weddings and births and celebrations because you don't want your family to see you. The power of a free haircut is incredible. As stylists know, so we have, um, yeah, more than 80, we had 87 before COVID hit and we're just getting them back up and running. We've got about 80 back up and running now. And, um, yeah, I think on average per year we gift something somewhere between 15,000 and 18,000 free haircuts a year. That is it. So that's the two. Yeah. 
that's the two things Hair Aid does. We go up to international projects and we teach basic haircutting and manicure and pedicure. <laughs> but we also do um, Hair Aid Community Cuts in Australia. Um, and it's, you know, no matter how stylists want to get involved, there's opportunities. We've also got Hair Aid USA, which is up and running and being run by the USA team. Um, we've got ambassadors in England and, and Ireland and all over that region. Um, yeah, it's it's a global, it's a global compassionate group that is changing lives through the power of a haircut, whether you're teaching it or whether you're gifting it. What is it that you need right now? Like how can how can our community of listeners and I guess our industry as a whole, you know, support you with what you need? Because sometimes I think people always think, well, yes, I want to get involved, but they don't necessarily know what it is that you need. And like you just said before, like the best thing we can do is ask. So what could what could our community do to help you? Right. Well, I'm going to start with the international projects then. We need volunteer hairdressers. Um, we need you to be on our team. I can't cut hair. And we, we need teams of around, depending on, I usually take teams of around 14 to 16 now. I used to take bigger size teams, but I'm finding the smaller size teams is nicer. And we, we need you to come on our projects. But I will explain that there's a cost involved. You do have to pay your project cost plus flights. But because we're a charity, registered charity you can fundraise for those so I just I'm going to quickly share next year um, in February we're going back to Manila and we're going into the women's jails the men's jails the drug rehabilitation center we're going into two slum communities as well so we've got more than 150 people already signed up waiting for our team and I need at least another six hairdressers on that particular project and then straight after that, still um, in February, we're heading back to Bali. Now, I've just finished. I'm actually still in Bali right this second because I'm taking a few days before I fly home. And um, uh, I've just signed all the official documentation here this week and last week back into the women's jail. So I need hairstylists for that and I need a manicurist, pedicurist um, for the women's jail as well. And someone who can do upstyles, curls, hair straightening. Because in Bali, if we can teach them what they like to call celebration hair, um, they can make a living out of that as well. So just like we've got five little upstyles that um, have been uh, taught it just last week and they love it. They learn so quickly and it's a skill that they can continue to learn while in jail because we leave all the tools there. And exciting, super exciting in Bali, we're building a salon in the women's jail. So uh, Hair Aid paid for a water pump to go in there just before COVID came along and just um, changed their world. But um, we've got all the water into the location. We've got to build a salon. So I'm going to take some builders with me as well in February to Bali. That's pretty exciting. Can I show so you something? that um, as a business owner that, you know, is a really important part of our business strategy. And that is I am a massive saver and user of my frequent flyer points. And I yes. think of a better way to use my frequent flyer points than to do something like this. So I would love anyone who wants to know how to absolutely maximize their collection of frequent flyer points to invest in a project like this, reach out to me because I have a million hacks. Um, like we do- right. 
And yeah, I, I think that that would be such a great resource for people to use to bring a team member along, like incentivize it. Absolutely. I do talk to salons every now and then they, and they say, I want to send someone from our salon. And I say to them, I want you to send someone from your salon too, but I want you to send someone who's really committed to demonstrating they want this. And we've come up with this little scheme which helps the salons and then helps hair aid where there's 12 little challenges for the year so that there's a challenge in January which is like best social media posts or um, best rebooking rates and then February it's like what is the best um, or who had the least wastage of product or then in March it might be, um, you know, who who helped another colleague out who, you know, and every month there's a little challenge, something that helps the salon but also something that can be celebrated at the salon every month and whoever wins or you can give two or three winners depending on the size of your team, they all get a ticket and it goes into the big barrel for drawing at their Christmas party. So everyone, like even, you know, you might even do, okay, we're doing one month. We always do a one month. Can you do a um, fundraiser for hair aid to get clippers because we always need electric clippers. And Global Scissors, bless you, are always fabulous helping us purchase them at a really good price, by the way. Um, so um, we say, you know, do some fundraising and, and and the winner is the funkiest fundraiser or the funnest fundraiser or something like that. It doesn't always have to be about money and profit and things. Sometimes it's just about empowering your team and getting them excited. And not all team members may want to participate, and that's okay too. Um, but at the end of the year at the Christmas party, that barrel of tickets comes out and one is drawn out, and they win a place on the project and the salon pays for their costs and their flights to go. But usually the month of fundraising, that helps raise it. So there's no additional cost to the salon. And salons love it. People love it. It's, you know, fabulous way to sort of do it. I mean, my marketing brain just thinks of all of the different types of activations I could put into a salon to fundraise for that. So various QR code um, incentives and donations and, you know, th there's so many different ways that you can um, cut and dice it. And it's, yeah. I yeah. Think Honestly, um, five cents per um, client. For the year you don't yeah so but that but that's like one way that salons can do it um now i don't i don't want to miss out on telling about cambodia we go to see oh, reap in cambodia you know, and we it's we're going there favorite place in the world it's um i don't know if you know geraldine cox shout out to my friend geraldine um so she owns sunrise orphanage which is there's one in phnom penh and there's one in seam reap and i've been fortunate enough to spend a bit of time um, in Cambodia in those orphanages. So a lot of what you talk about is very real to me because I think until mm. you've actually really been in, and like you said, there was a lot of instances where, um, you know, children were dropped off, some children were kept with their parents and others had to be given away. And yep. seeing that firsthand was completely life-changing for me. Um, so yes. I think Cambodia is is a very special one and it's an incredible country to visit. Yes, um, I'm penciling your name in to join us next July, Hayley, um, because what we do in Cambodia, it's, you know, we work with 
um, so many different organizations. We work with the orphanages who do stay in contact with some of the parents. And then if we can skill the parents, that they can actually take their children home. We work with organizations that support women who've been rescued. So some of our locations are secret and safe locations um, with no photos can be taken. And the women who've been rescued, um, you know, they get such a short period of time to apparently get over their trauma of being in prostitution or drugs or beaten and raped and for many, many years. But they, you know, have, you know, a three-month uh, program and we're part of those programs where we can go in and we can teach them skills and we give them the, the tools so they have everything they need. Um, yes, yeah, so we work with um, safe houses over there for women. We work with local salons over there as well because many of the people um, just can't afford to go to formal training. So it's not always just people who live in the slums or just people who are rescued. We give the opportunities to as many people as possible um, because if they're working as a nail technician in the streets and they can learn to cut hair, it can double their income. So, you know, over there, it's amazing. I will share with you in Cambodia this year, the team, I wasn't able to go. So the, another uh, some of the team stepped in as project leader. Shout out to Holly Wood from Western Australia who did an amazing job over there for me. And um, one of the locations we've worked with for a very long time is an Australian gentleman and he owns a restaurant and he supports the, um, I won't get all the letters right, so do apologise, I'm very tired, I'm also dyslexic, but the LGTBI, or how I like to call them, people, um, but the gay community over there, he supports um, them because they can be ostracised um, by family and friends and thrown into the street still over there for their sexual choices. Um, so we've worked with him for a number of years. And this year we had people who walked from non-pen, walked from non-pen to come to the training. We had like 45 people turn up at this location because they know what hair aid, they know that we were there. They, they missed out on the training last time and they walked there to be trained to get their tools so they could go home. They prepared to lie in the street, sleep in the street, no food for a week. Um, P.S. I know my team help feed them um, for that circumstance. But can you imagine that? Can you imagine, like, it's an eight-hour drive. Yeah. Like walking from Cairns to Brisbane Yeah, to learn that training and then you're going to sleep, sleep on the streets and not eat because you need to be trained. So, of course, you know, um, Cambodia, like all our countries, have just it's got a beautiful a soul and a heart, but they need a hand from people like us to go there and help them. So I think in Cambodia, uh, which there was about 180 or 200 people trained in that one week. And then they go back to their villages and their provinces and then they can, you know, support their community, give free haircuts for the school children. They can cut their own kids' hair. They can start a micro business. They can work in a local salon. There's just so many opportunities um, that are there. So I've just penciled your name in for that one, Hayley. Um, um, no, I, I, I would love to. I've been talking to my daughter about going recently and I she's like, where's the most amazing place you've ever been in the world? I was like, well, it's Cambodia. But I don't think she's quite ready to. She's only nine. I don't know. That. No, no, that's a bit young. Um, I said the culture shock would just be way yeah. too confronting. But that's an interesting um topic that you've raised there, Haley. We've just the last two projects we've had over the last two weeks, we had daughters of family members come with them. One was fifteen, one was sixteen, and it actually does happen. I've because I work as as an educator, I've also have taken 
well, I've taken university students. Initially, that's how Hair Aid, you know, got started. But I've ta- I do sometimes take um, private school groups as well. So they come over with us. And then what we do is we get them to work in the local schools, take school books, work with the young children. Um, it's, an, it's a life-changing experience for them as well. Um, so, yeah, oh, I'm jumping all over the place, all off topic, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, so um, Cambodia, fantastic place. But we're back to Cebu in um, September next year. And when we're in Cebu, if you have a look at our Facebook page, no, I'm not good at Instagram. I'm absolutely used to say that. 10,000 people, including Tabitha Coffee, have tried to teach it to me and I hate <laughs> it and I don't use it. Um, so Facebook is where it is for me. Um, but we had, I think, six national news crews there. Um, we received um, international exposure um, through uh, magazines, newspapers. We were interviewed on TV. As I said, I think we've got six national news. And we made the Manila national news, the Philippines national news, and the story that they did on us was 18 minutes long. Wow. And, like, so before I left, you know, the government called me and said, hey, get over here. And I'm thinking, oh, what am I in trouble for now? Um, but then um, we have got uh, the Department of Prisons and Authorities They've already signed us up for Cebu. There's like five different prisons they want us to go in. We're only going to go into three at a time um, just for logistics, not because they're unsafe, um, but, you know, uh, we've just already signed them up. We've signed up with some of our parishes over there that support people that live in the street and slum communities. So we'll be working directly with the people back into the men's and women's jail um, so Cebu is going to be amazing. And my USA team has just, I just sort of caught up with them, did Guatemala. They trained 41 people on their first project, which is huge. Um, and they just said to us, we're looking at going back there in October next year. So um, that's what's happening in international projects. So I desperately need volunteers. Get on there, get some friend raising done and like come and join us. Life-changing for the people you'll train, but life-changing for you as well. So I definitely need that. Now, to do these international projects, I need gently used resources. Okay. Now, I don't necessarily need new things because what we think is old is pretty good. If okay. you've got some capes in your salons, please send them to me at my home. Okay. Or send me an email. Go onto our webpage, www.hairaid.org.au. I'm the person who does all the emails as I said, we don't have we don't have offices and people working for us, so I do all the emails. Send me an email. Say, Selena, I've heard you with Haley. Um, I've got ten capes here, and I'll say, can you please send them to my home address? We need clips, and so we so need putting a shout out to all of the corporates as well. They can all yes. solve. Yep. Now, may I say, Haley, I'm the worst. I can't even read you a list of sponsors at the moment because of where I'm. So where I'm well, I can looking. put them in the show notes because I think it would be nice to give everyone a little acknowledgement. Yes. So you send yes. me and I'll, I'll put them in the show notes. Thank you. Um, but no one ever says no to hair aid. No. If I reach out to whoever and I say, guys, I need some capes, mate, where do you want them sent? Um, and the reason is because we do what we say. Hair aid's been around for now 11 years and it, we're very transparent. When people come on our projects, they see exactly what happens. And what happens is what I'm telling you. So there's no smokes and mirrors. There's no secret 
agenda. I'm not a hairdresser. It's not certainly not helping my salon. <laughs> yes. You know, I don't do this because I have to. I do it because I want to. And we've got so many beautiful hairdressers. They want to as well. I'm the office girl. That's what I tell people. I'm the office girl. I do all the logistics and the organising and make sure all the legalities are signed up and we have MOUs with governments because you can't just go over there, knock on the door and say, hey, I've got some sharp scissors, let me in. There's a lot of work to get the approvals and it's taken, you know, a few years to get them. But now our reputation is like um, I happen to be standing in the men's prison in Bali with the prison director last week and uh, um, someone from a different government department walked in. And, of course, you know, visitors inside the jail not frequent. And I looked at him, I'm like, ooh, where are you from? Because I'm I'm curious all the time, hence the reason with the conversation with the nuns in the bar in the first place. And so I said to him, oh, what are you doing here? Because in the men's prison in Bali they've got screen printing and jewellery making and computer science and hospitality and all these different trades they can learn. And um, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I for another country very close to Indonesia, he said, I'm their training officer. I'm the person who organises training everywhere and someone's told me about you and I wanted to come and see what it is you've done. And he walked in and he was like, he couldn't thank me enough for what Hair Aid's doing. He's like, I'd like to sign you up. Um, We've got these, you know, this country where we are, we've got five locations, people are already asking for you. And that's the power of Hair Aid now. Our reputation is strong. We do what we say. You can talk to anyone who's been on a project and ask them what happens. They, you know, there's beautiful stories that come from our our volunteers, which I share direct on our Facebook because, remember, I don't do Instagram. I try to. I promise I do. Um, but, you know, we're, we're as honest as the day is, um, anybody sponsors give us stuff. It goes directly to the people. Um I, I don't ask for anything I don't need. I don't need it in my garage for a start. Um, but, you know, i tell you what I do need. Clippers, clippers. I need clippers because when we train, particularly the men in the jails and that, we need to leave clippers there for them to learn. So every time we go and leave um, four, four or five pair of scissors, I, get, I need four or five clippers to, um, you know, redo that, fill that stock. Anyway, so tools we definitely need. Um capes love the capes we get lots of capes and I'm very thankful for those but I really made a decision this year no more black capes I'm finding someone who can print me white capes or whatever it is because Asian hair on black capes in a in a closed room or in a outside underneath the shade of the banana leaves you just can't see the guideline so I do need something else for that need that um you know, what if you've got an old suitcase that you don't need? Send that to me because I need that to transport the stock overseas. So that that's the sort of stuff that I need. Oh, and I must say client diary, bless their hearts. Um, with our hair aid community cuts, uh, they support us and give us free access to their system and all our community cuts are now scheduled through that. So our um, volunteers get little text messages and makes it easier for our team instead of me sitting there writing 10,000 million emails every six weeks. So we have support like that. That's really cool. Um, For our community cuts, I need volunteers. I need people that can give us 
two hours every six weeks in their local community. Now, we never schedule, um, it's very rare for us to schedule hair aid community cuts in December because we know that's a crazy time and it's the best money-making time for salons. We don't want to disturb that. Yeah. But if you, ta- if you take out the Easter holiday or the Christmas holiday and the other public holidays, we it usually works out that there's actually eight events a year, okay. right, in your local community. Eight events a year, I just want two hours of your time. I want 16 hours of you. And you'll make a world of difference in your own community. So sign up for that. We definitely, definitely need more because the need is growing. And as I said, we've got a, more than 100 requests to start new locations. So um, Hair Aid pays for all the insurance on that. Um, so everyone's covered. Um, so, yeah, more help there. Um, what else do I need? Do you know what I really need? I'm just going to do this. I need someone who can help me with our webpage, a Shopify expert. Because there's stuff on there that I have to sort of almost have to learn every time. So I'd love to have someone who's a bit passionate, a bit of an expert with that. Because Hair Aid has to pay consultants, and remember, we don't get government funding. We, don't, you know, we we get almost no corporate financial funding. We get lots of resources, which I'm thankful for. Um, but you know, my web page, I've got to pay a consultant every time, and it's eighty or ninety dollars an hour. It's a lot of money that comes out of, you know, our stuff that which could go somewhere else. Um, I like I've probably said what I need. If anyone else is sitting there and thinking, hey Selena, I've got some dolly heads I'm not using, send them to me. Reach out to me. Let me know and I can tell you um, you know, what what it is that you can do to help. However you help, you're helping an enormous need, whether it's overseas or here in Australia, and changing lives and making people's lives better. So if everyone wants to get in touch, is the best place to go straight to the Hair Aid website, which you've already given us, but again, will be in the show notes. So it'll just be a direct link that you click straight through um, and people can register their interest and kind of find and navigate all of the different ways that they can get behind you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You know, on their website is, you know, there's also the contact me. You can sign up for our community cut, so you can sign up for our projects there. Um, But there's a contact me, which goes directly to me. Um, and I 100% answer all my own emails. There's no AI bot this end of me. Um, I, you know, um, and we get, I get, I wake up every morning to at least 50 emails all the time. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of work, which I love doing. Don't get me wrong. I love doing it. So please reach out and please just go, oh, you know, I've, I've heard about you, I heard you with Hayley, whatever it is that you think you can help with. I'm sure you can, like we can find a place there. So, yeah, get involved. Hair Aid, I, I think I could be the longest running hair charity in Australia and um, perhaps the only one that does what we do, Yeah, going overseas and teaching basic haircutting. Um, I know that other companies that do it on a one-off, but we've got that sustainability and, yeah, it's you know amazing. And someone said to me the other day, oh, you know, how long are you going to do this? I'm like, well, forever. Because the need is there. So, um, you know, get involved. Um, give back your skills and help us make the difference that the world needs. I Look, I, can, I know that it will be absolutely life-changing for anyone that gets involved. And I think my experience in all of the places, I haven't been to the Philippines though, um, that, that you mentioned, I think even just being there as a tourist and, and observing, you know, 
how fortunate we are here. We we really take that for granted. So to be able to get there and and make a difference, set people up for life, um, you know, I'm I'm oh. so grateful we have people like you, Selena. So thank you on behalf of myself and the industry. And um, we will rally behind you and get you as much as we possibly can. I'm very much looking forward to Cambodia. <laughs> can I do one? Can I do one more thing, Haley? Of course. We have an annual fundraiser. Oh, fair. It's called our Global Cutathon. Okay. And where we ask stylists to cut one haircut, donate the funds to Hair Aid on a particular day. Now, I don't even know what that day is because I'm at the end of a project. I could look it up, but I'll, I'll send you that as well. And we're just asking stylists, can you cut one haircut for Hair Aid once a year on this one day? And that's our major fundraiser, and that helps pay our insurance, our auditors, our bookkeepers, because as a charity we have to do all that. Um, you know, there's still a business that runs behind all this that has to still be done and all the auditing reports. Um, and and as you can imagine, our insurance is crazy expensive. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so our, we do have that fundraiser that if you can't get to community cuts and you can't go overseas, do that one for us. And every year we draw one person to win a project out of the Global Carathon. So, yeah, should have put that one in somewhere else. But, you know, my head's there's so much to tell you, Hayley. There's so much to tell you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. I'm I'm excited that people are going to be able to reach out, get involved. And I would love to perhaps, you know, have another follow-up chat when after you've done everything, I think you were telling us that you've got Bali and Feb. Yep. Okay, maybe let's reconnect after that and you can tell us exactly what has happened from now to then and we can kind of go along that journey with you. Uh, sounds fantastic. Sounds fantastic. Can't wait. We're building a salon in a jail next February. <laughs> Thanks so much, Selena. All right. Thank you for your time. Bye. Bye.